0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the E-Commerce Money Map Podcast. Salim here. I'm being joined by my co-host, Shaw. Shaw, welcome. Hey, everybody. Today, we've got a special guest. Her name is Leslie Hensel. She's a partner with Riverbend Consulting. With 50-plus employees, they solve critical problems and offer effective growth strategies for sellers on Amazon and other e-commerce platforms. Leslie, Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Really appreciate you taking the time in. Let's dig right in. Perhaps give us the backstory behind Riverbend Consulting.
1: Sure. So I have personally been a seller on Amazon since 2010, which is a long time on that platform. And a few years into being a seller, I started to use some of my business consulting background to help people who were having problems on Amazon. And Amazon uh, suspends people or blocks them from selling if they detect problems with orders, problems with customers, fraud, counterfeit, a whole wide range of problems that you can have. And I started helping people by writing their appeals and helping them to get back on the platform. And along came a seller named Joe Zalta whose account had been blocked for used, sold as new, meaning people got product that they thought had been opened or used. And I helped him get reinstated. And a couple of years later, he showed up and said, you know, we should really do this business together. I've really got the sales and marketing thing and you've got all the technical expertise. So let's team up. So we started Riverbury Consulting almost five years ago and have really grown quickly. And it's really nice because we do have the background as sellers in addition to the consulting and service side and knowing how to help.
0: Got it. That's awesome. Kind of a natural transition from you helping a client of yours and uh, from that sprung a new company called Riverbend Consulting.
1: Yes, I really love our backstory. And it it really makes sense because I was helping him, which I love to do. You know, you're a CPA, you work with small businesses. Your whole goal is that you like to help people and see them grow and do better. And I feel that same way. And so through that helping relationship, we decided we wanted to help even more people. And I know it sounds so cheesy, but in the marketplace, if that's really your goal, you're going to be successful. And uh, we've had such a good time together and now growing something that's much bigger than just the two of us at the beginning.
2: It's an interesting backstory as well. It actually touches me personally. I've, I've had a used sold as new violation before. And
1: <laughs> you feel the was, pain.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not enough packaging. Leslie, what's something
0: that every company or brand needs to know before trying to sell on Amazon or any other e-commerce platform for that matter?
1: So people who have spent a lot of time out in traditional retail think that the relationship being a third-party seller on Amazon or other platforms is going to be very similar. And so they are still treating it as one giant transaction. So if you're an existing brand and you're selling into retail stores, it's one big transaction that you're getting that product into those stores You have to understand that once you're selling as a third-party seller on Amazon or anywhere, that the relationship that matters is with each individual customer. So Amazon doesn't care about sellers. They care about their buyers, their customers on that platform. And you have to treat all of those customers the exact way Amazon would treat them or better. And so then if you don't, then Amazon becomes this intermediary that can take you out of the game really quickly. Another thing to know that's very challenging, I think, is that each platform has its own rules. Amazon has the most complex and difficult set of rules of everybody. And then, But down the line, they each have their own enforcement. What's interesting, though, is teams of ex-Amazonians actually built out the enforcement at Walmart and at many other platforms. So if you learn the Amazon thing, you can probably make it on the other platforms. Yeah,
2: It's great. If you were to give sellers three things to start doing and three things to stop doing, what do you think those would be?
1: Okay. Easy on the start doing because I know what most of us don't do. You have to know your numbers all the time. You need to track your numbers by brand and by ASIN. You could be losing all of your profitability because of one lousy ASIN. And you need to understand if you're even making a profit. A lot of sellers, they look at the top line revenue, but they're not looking at their expenses in real time. The second thing actually relates to that, which is monitoring your return reports carefully to see if there is some single product. Again, you're taking a bath. Because when you have returns, especially if you're Amazon FBA, you're eating all the fees associated with those returns. And very quickly, you are losing money. And thing number three that you need to be doing is really keeping an eye on what Amazon is doing to you. And especially in the area of reimbursements. If you don't have someone managing your inventory and making sure that Amazon is reimbursing you for lost or damaged inventory, you are taking a bath. And that is like right off your bottom line you've got to be filing those cases so then three things to stop doing oh my there's so much to choose from it depends on who you are and what you're doing i think a very important one is being in one silo only being in one marketplace are you only on amazon you need to be in other places if you want to only be on amazon Are you only selling private label or only selling wholesale? Think about expanding into more things and diversifying because there's a lot of competition and you can lose one of your businesses or marketplaces and then you've got nothing. So being too siloed, stop doing that. Another thing to stop doing is breaking the rules when you know you're breaking the rules. Too many people are still getting fake reviews. They're still having people upvote and downvote, they're still doing black hat stuff. Amazon's getting too good at detecting this stuff. Their technology's better every day. I'm sorry, they're going to find you. Remember, if you're tempted, that Amazon, their AWS servers actually serve the National Security Agency and manage all of that backend cell phone data that they use to find terrorists. Okay, if the servers are that good, they're going to find you when you get those fake reviews. And number three thing to stop doing is stop outsourcing so much of your account that you don't know what's going on. You cannot be an absent owner. Unfortunately, Amazon has gotten much too complex to have that whole four-hour workweek thing going. Yes, you definitely want to use outsources, use agencies, use VAs, but you have to know what they're doing in your account and understand it top to bottom.
2: That's that's amazing feedback you just gave there as she triggers some more questions. So if you're an Amazon seller looking to expand multi-channel, what would you what kind of guidance would you give to someone like that?
1: That is an excellent question. So big fan of Shopify because you have some control over Shopify. Also, there are a lot of promotional things, advertising things, giveaways, things that you can do on Shopify and related to Shopify that will benefit your brand on Amazon, but you're not breaking the rules by doing it and driving the traffic to Amazon. So when you're out there advertising and and having deals for your Shopify store, it all plays into the algorithm and helps you on Amazon, which is super, super important to do. Also, you've got to find a 3PL that can really help you. You don't want to use Amazon as your 3PL. You don't want to use their multi-channel fulfillment services because they're just too dang expensive. Anything Amazon offers you is too expensive. Their stickering is too expensive. Their placement is too expensive. And they do a bad job at all of it. Never use any of their services. They're repricing. Don't do any of it. It is all built for Amazon. It's not built for you. So you've got to find a 3PL that can be flexible and really help you fill things once the orders are coming.
2: Yeah, as an Amazon seller, I personally say, feel like I'm not valued as an FBM seller.
1: Oh yes, you're valued even less than an FBA seller who really isn't valued at all. You're the bottom (laughs) of the food chain. I mean, that sounds awful. I've done both. And I would agree with you that even in the process of filling the orders, the way that it's done through the apps and then the customer service experience on the other side, like A to Z and all the claims you can have, oh my goodness, you're, yeah, you're nobody. Yeah.
2: You, know, you just say okay and right. do as you're told.
1: <laughs> yes, it's frustrating, isn't it? All
0: right. Leslie, in your experience, what aspect of selling online is the most underestimated?
1: Oh, you mean like the hardest to do that people think oh, it's not going to be a big deal and then it is. Yeah. So scale is so hard. And people think that they have things in place and that they can grow. And once they start growing, they lose control so quickly. So examples right now are logistics and shipping. Whole different ball game of something you can ship by air than when you move up to a half container load or a container load. Especially right now when you're fighting to even get space on a container. So that's really difficult. You've got to have resources in place and people who can help you. Or like you have one VA. And you think that that VA can handle all these things for your business. And then when you need two or three, most people haven't documented those processes. The VAs might live in different places. Scaling that team really, really hard. And then another thing is the um, logistics of getting things either shipped to the customer, like we were talking about through 3PL, or shipping to the FBA warehouse. It's very different when you're shipping pallets. And you're prepping that much inventory and you're ordering that much from a manufacturer. So thinking ahead and thinking about what scale really means and do you have the money for it without being able to take anything out of your Amazon business is huge. What a lot of folks don't realize is that when you scale on Amazon, you're not living off Amazon. You can't. And a lot of sellers will literally reinvest every penny which is not what they thought when they started. Going
2: back to expanding out of one silo, putting your eggs in multiple baskets. How about a brick and mortar store that's looking to expand into e-commerce? What tips or advice might you give to that type of company?
1: That is a great question. So, brick and mortar, a lot of it depends on if you're reselling or if you've got some of your own stuff, your own cool products that you're selling. If you're reselling, it's really great if you have some strong relationships with wholesalers or distributors that you've built over the years. A lot of times you can get in with them and the brands that they're buying from to create. Amazon only offers that you're the only seller because that gives you a huge advantage over people who are just doing like reselling on the platform or they're even doing arbitrage. If you've got some long-term supplier relationships, face-to-face relationships, use those. And if you can have some specific bundles that are approved by a manufacturer where you can use one of their own barcodes, no one else has those, you can clean up in a way that you would not expect. And then if you have your own products to offer, that's super exciting too, because once again, what we're really looking for at this point in time, most people who are selling on Amazon is what can I sell that every Tom, Dick and Harry isn't already selling, right? Um, So Mm -hmm. anything that you can leverage your brand name, get it out there, start building it and expanding it away from just your own regional area is very exciting.
2: Do you think there's a lot of opportunity for maybe like personalized items, print to order, print on demand type, uh, highly personalized merchandise?
1: So, you know, Amazon has the handmade area and then they also have some products that allow personalization. And I've had some clients who've done super well with that. I had one client who was doing uh, personalized glassware, which... It never occurred to me to do that on Amazon, honestly. I, I thought of that as being an Etsy product or an eBay product. And he came to us with a problem. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you're selling personalized glassware on Amazon. He's doing fantastic. And I think it's because he was willing to, A, do the work, B, have the turnaround time that Amazon expects, and C, be brave enough to ship glassware. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, if you are able to scale and do it at scale, the hardest part about personalized on Amazon is the turnaround time because it there is an expectation of fast turnarounds. Even if in your listing you have a longer turnaround time, part of the problem is the customer has this thing in their head. It's supposed to magically appear because Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) the experience they're used to on Amazon, right? Yeah. So you've Mm -hmm. really got to communicate that in the listing and then do the do the best you can to make it quick.
0: Yeah, this is so great. Good stuff. Good information, Leslie. Appreciate you sharing it. We just have a couple of minutes left. Sure, I was going to go with final words of wisdom. Anything you want
2: to ask before
0: we go into kind of the, the final couple of minutes?
2: I think with just a couple of minutes, uh, I better cut myself out of it at this point. Too many questions.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, good stuff. Great insights that Leslie shared from some of the questions you asked. Leslie, final words of wisdom, and then we'll kind of go into how people can reach you. So yeah, a couple couple of final things before we finish off.
1: Sure. You know, there are a lot of folks these days who talk about how you shouldn't sell on Amazon or there's not opportunity on Amazon. And I will tell you, I am one of Amazon's biggest critics because my job is helping people fix the problems they have with Amazon and they're in conflict with Amazon. But even from that perspective, the amazing thing about the Amazon world and all of e-commerce is that it's the biggest incubator for small business that has existed in the history of mankind. There has never been such an easy way with such low barrier to entry to test a new product, to try out a new idea, to try different versions of something. It's really very exciting. So I know there's lots of naysayers out there right now saying don't do it, you know, don't sell online and especially don't sell on Amazon, they're so bad. I understand the sentiment, I get it, But if you've got a great idea somewhere out there, don't be deterred. It really is the best chance you've got for developing something, launching it, and testing. And then if you want to sell somewhere else or try and get in brick and mortar, do it. But test with this giant available audience in all of North America and see how your product lands.
0: Yeah, I love that. How can folks reach you if they want to reach you?
1: So we have a website that's riverbendconsulting.com. Very exciting in today's world. We have a phone number on that website and we answer our phones all day, every day. If someone has a problem or a challenge with Amazon, we're happy to talk it through with them to see if we can help. And then also if you head on over to LinkedIn and run my name through there, Leslie Hinsel, I post content about Amazon five days a week and I would love to connect.
0: Oh, that's great. Leslie, thank you so much for Everything you shared, all the insights you shared and making yourself available for us.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, much appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the eCommerce Money Map podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find them at eCommerceMoneyMap.com or on your favorite podcast directory. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you want to learn more about the eCommerce Accounting Hub, visit eCommerceAccountingHub.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the eCommerce Money Map Podcast.